Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Right, hello, welcome to Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James, and today we're joined by four very special guests to start the season. We're here up in Glasgow, and we're joined by all four regional head coaches. We've got John Motherhill of the Cardiff Blues, Bernard Jackman of the Dragons, Wayne Pivak of the Scars, and Alan Clark of the Ospreys. So, uh, first of all, good afternoon, gentlemen. Afternoon. I think it's still afternoon. Feels like evening, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a long day. day. <laughs> how are you enjoying Glasgow, then, boys? The hotel's fantastic because we haven't been, been out of it, but uh, we got a chance to go out last night. It was, it was a nice town. The Guinness wasn't too bad. It wasn't, was it? Um, right. So um, let's start with uh, looking at the season ahead. I suppose it's four different scenarios for each of you. So, um, John, we'll, we'll start with you. So, just what is the sort of ambition for the season ahead? Uh, probably one of our ambitions is to do better in the league. You know, that's our bread and butter, the Pro 14. So we started off quite slowly last year, so it's important that we uh, hit the ground running and get some wins early and uh, don't let the, you know, the competition slip away this year as they did last year. Um, and I'm looking to make sure we try and build that momentum that they had at the end of last year and carry that on for a start with us. Bernard, how, how does it sort of differ to what your, your sort of ambitions are? Um, yeah, we obviously just need to get a bit of respect. Obviously, we had a very poor season last year. Historically, we've been poor. Um, we're in the middle of a big rebuild. You know, we brought in 14 players. Um, we let 21 go. Brought in new staff. So, we're just trying to get the team cohesion as quickly as possible, and, and try and get some, some consistency of performance, and more importantly, some consistency of selection. You know, we used 64 players last year um, because we had a huge injury injury crisis, and. Um, yeah, we're hoping to get our best players on the fit regularly, on the field regularly, um, and as I said, you know, get some understanding and, and, and implement our game plan. But it's a it's a race against time. Wayne, I suppose it's more the same, isn't it? Well, we want to keep building, to be honest. Um, I think if you sit back in this game and, and relax and think that you, you know, you're, you're something special or, or you know, it's just going to continue to happen, I think you're going to get caught. Um, just like. No doubt, all four sides. We want to keep improving and, and uh, not only do well for the club, but um, to to assist the national team in a World Cup around the corner. So for us, it's it's trying to uh, do the double, be involved in, in the playoffs. Hopefully, in both the competitions, it's not going to be an easy task. But um, for us, it's um, blending in the new players that, that have come on board, who have got some big uh, boots to fill, and John Barclay in particular, and and Ty Byrne. So. We've got a bit of work to do early with um, Ulster and, and Leinster first two up. Alan? Uh, similar to the others, uh, you're trying to get off to a decent start, get the best out of each other, enjoy what we do, I think that's important. Um, and the back end of the season, be in the mix for you know, those competitive honours, those trophy honours. I suppose this is the first season where we haven't had a Welsh coach in charge of a region, all four of you, from outside the sort of goldfish bowl that is Welsh rugby, and I'm, I'm sure you've all sort of realised what a minefield it can be um, sometimes with the fans sometimes with the help of girls online yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get that one in let's be honest, honest. Yeah, let's be honest <laughs> how, how do you deal with that apart from just berating Wales online no no um, you guys have a job to do um, no I think we put enough pressure on, our, on ourselves on ourselves internally to, to try and get performance and get results so um, external pressures you know are relevant really I think uh, you know, we should have enough confidence in our ability to, to put together a right rugby programme and, and to create the right environment and, and trust that results will come from that. But um, I think it's good being in a goldfish bowl, to be honest, because at least you know, you're working in a country where rugby is a passion. Um, it was the same in France for me, it's the same in Ireland at the moment. Um, and that's what you want. You want to be in a place where results and performances matter. And, um, you, know, you can actually affect people's weekends or, and, and the start of the following week with your, 
with your performance. So you know that's a that's a good motivation. Yeah, it's no different uh, in West Wales where we are. You know, it's uh, talking about the Goldfish Bowl. It's it's you know I'm into my fifth year, uh, fifth season now, and uh, certainly it hasn't always been highs. You know, the first couple of years were, there was a lot of work to be done, a lot of change uh, was made, and. We understand that uh, the community, it's very much a community club and, and um, we can affect, as Bernard says, affect people's lives, you know, in terms of our performances. Um, you can make someone's week, you can uh, you can also uh, ruin their week if you like. So, you know, we, we know that we owe it to the community to do a good job and, you know, we wouldn't have it any other way really. How do you find it? something you came in sort of, a sort of low point for the Ospreys sort of last season. How do you find that sort of... Uh, you know the attention's similar to home. You know, uh, in, in Ulster, rugby's the only professional sport, so there's no no getting away from it. Um, it's part of the gig, you know. And what I've seen in the people that we represent, and I probably speak for the whole of Wales, is that they respect people to give everything that they've got. And you know, if you get your wins, obviously that's brilliant. But in those situations where you don't win games, as long as you've you've given effort and yeah, you've exhausted all possibilities in the game. You know, player, uh, supporters will be uh, disappointed, but they'll also respect that the boys have put it in. Obviously, John, you've had a lot less time in the sort of goldfish bowl. How, how are you finding it early on? Well, the the Cut of Blues region's uh, massive, and I suppose we look over like history, recent history. It's probably underachieved a little bit, but uh, the expectations that would be quite high on us now after that. Uh, you know the championship win at the end of last year, but there's probably no greater expectation to have than on yourselves and the players have on each other as well. So, you know, people, you know, they go to work each week and work hard and to buy their tickets, and we're going to make sure that we, you know, we do the right thing when they t- come through the gates and they get a get a good experience. But so we'll be working hard, and our expectations are high. And uh, you know, there's going to be some games where we don't win, but as long as our heads in the contest and we're doing the best, let's for all the regions, you know, your, your supporters will. We'll, we'll hang in there with you. you know, it's not always always going to be good, but um, they seem like they, they hang pretty tight, these these uh, Welsh followers, so looking forward to it. Coming down to my local supermarket, it's not always like that. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose having been uh, in John's situation, have you got any advice for him? Or? Uh, no, we'll just, uh, you know, obviously communicate well with your staff and people above you and, you know, your players and you're fine, you know. I think the, the thing about coaching is uh, and, and trying to, Trying to create a, a winning team is, is, as Wayne said, there's highs and lows, and it's about sticking together. You know, trying to make a good plan and, and follow follow through on it together. I think if you go on a silo, and he knows that he's been around long enough, that uh, I think the Welsh people, you know, they do appreciate, as, as Alan said, hard work. And once once you, you're consistent in that, there'll be no problem. I think you know, I'd argue that you got to be able to take it on the chin, because the guy on the street knows. You know, the game isn't that complicated, and they know what what good is and what good isn't so you've got you to gotta run with the highs and also take the, the lows on the chin going, going to the coaching side John, John there's a sort of interesting anecdote I saw from an interview from a while ago is um, Matt Gitto coming up to you sort of saying I think it was 2007 wasn't it saying I'm not a world class player I want to be and then you sat down with him and just sort of went through every facet of his game didn't you, can, can yeah, you I think it's just not, it's not just the younger guys that you've got to work with there's some of the older players that still have ambition to be better and each each of us have those players in their club so you don't just assume they're the finished product they might have played 50 tests for Wales but they want to they want to be remembered as a, as a great player so 
those guys work just as hard as the young guys do and I think um, we just need to provide the environment where all of them can get better and then we as coaches extend those international players to try and push them up, up as well. So how often is that a scenario that happens sort of elsewhere around the region that you're getting sort of senior players sort of coming to you and saying how can I improve this, how can I improve that? Is it just well, like I think a constant if you, if, sort of striving for sort of... If, you're, if, if you've been keeping the right players in the, right, in the environment... Well then, obviously, you'd hope that all your senior players have that attitude because that's the type of senior player you want who's who's going to look to get better and and be a really good role model for for the next generation. So yeah, I think that's that's definitely um, something we have and we all want to keep. You often find that those those players they're going to be the most competitive anyway, and they have that competitive streak. And whether they ask you or not, their performance at training is just as good as what you get in games. And we've all had had that in different experiences, and you know worldwide it's the same. I think you know your, your older, more experienced players were were once young guys in the team, and they were players that they looked up to, in understanding that they've got that that role to play within the group. And I think uh, we've we've tried to create an environment which allows the players to be the best they can be. It's it's a pretty simple formula, really. But um, the players now at the Scarlets are driving the standards. You know, we occasionally might have to remind the odd player here and there, but you know the senior players drive it. Um, and uh, we've got it to a stage where they enjoy coming to work, and I think, you know, once you get to that stage, you know, it makes your job that much easier. Um, you know, talked about John coming into the Blues there and, and, and their recent history. Look, I think, um, you know, if you get that environment right, players want to come to work and work for each other. Yeah, that's half the battle won, and it's it's believing in what you're doing and and not getting caught up too much in what what you know people might be saying online or whatever it might be. The keyboard warriors, I call them. Um, we've got plenty at the Scarlet, so it's just staying true to your beliefs and, and you know getting that environment right. And, and you know, all players, no matter where you are in the world, they, they you know they love playing the game. They play for the same reasons that we did. So it's it's keeping it pretty simple. But you know, I think um, yeah, every day I get up, I enjoy going to work, and so it's not a bad not a bad place to be. I would echo that. It's it's about your environment. You know, you want it to be powerful. You want the players to to drive it. And, those guys don't become senior players because they've lost ambition. That's why they are senior players. And it's often the guy that doesn't have the ambition that drops out of the system. Um, and you're trying to get younger players and shorten that journey for them so they appreciate what good is and they're doing it on a consistent basis. As we talk there about senior players sort of driving, uh, particularly the Ospreys this year, obviously two young halfbacks, uh, Alec Davis, Sam Davis, um, especially now with Sam sort of, with Dan gone. Sam's really sort of out of shadow and he can really sort of thrive. How, how does that change the sort of dynamic when you've got sort of the young guys driving from key positions? Yeah, there's a necessity, obviously, as well, um, and that creates opportunity for people. Um, couple that with, obviously, Alan Davis and Scott Williams. I see Wayne beside me here, but, you know, there's good experience. Boys have come from a winning mentality, got experience, got confidence. You know, we're young players, as Wayne said himself, and Scott's already shared that with the likes of Owen Watkins. And that, that confidence that's come through experience now uh, and through winning experiences, uh, be it on the international stage or a club footy, uh, that's going to you know, help drive the performance and support the performance of Sam Davies, of Luke Price. Does that sort of tie in with sort of the sort of young players you've got elsewhere around the regions? Yeah, well, probably now, like Jared Evans and Thomas Williams, like they've they'll learn off guys like Lloyd Williams and, and Gareth Anscombe. You know, and speaking to uh, Warren at the end of last year, he said that um, 
Jared had a really good six months. He would like to see that be a good 18 months. And if they can get to that stage and playing good rugby in a year and a half's time at that same level, well, then those guys will go on to, to higher honours. Yeah, we used to have a very young young uh, squad. We've got some you know, really young young players in our leadership group, you know, Elliot D, um, Jack Dixon, Harrison Keddy, um, Roger Williams, only twenty four, um, you know, Corey Hill is obviously our captain and he, he's a he's a great leader for us and then we've you know got Richard Hibbard who's, who's obviously over thirteen as being there and seeing that. So we're trying to we're trying to develop them as leaders and, and develop them as characters and, and have, you know, them really drive standards in, in the dressing room and off the and outside the dressing room on the pitch. So um, it's exciting when you see young men like that develop. Um, and probably because of the the age profile of our squad, you know they probably need to do it, you know, earlier in their career than in other regions. But that's just just how it is, and it's an incredible opportunity for them to be a part of turning the region around. I suppose that sort of helps, doesn't it? So if you are say Dan Bamboss or someone like that coming through, and you see there's a player who's only four or five years old, and you yeah. in the leadership group. It's, you know, yeah, it's exciting if they if they buy into it. It's a buy into it, but obviously we just need to need to help them and support them. And make sure you know we don't put too much pressure. We just get the right amount of of pressure on them and not, not overburden them, and you know and we support them. That's all. But uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, there's no real hierarchy yet. Um, you know, so for young players like Lisa Tame Basham, Dan Babos, Max Williams, you know, they got the taste of it last year at, at 17 and 18 um, years of age. But you know, are they going to be you know first team players at, at 21, 22, and and you know have a big impact in the region? That's the challenge for them. When you sort of um, sort of talks about the five year plan. Uh, for a while, so I think the fifth year was always going to be sort of challenging for Europe, wasn't it? Not even one. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, a three-year plan. We nailed it. Um, <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, look, it, it, for, for the our club's point of view, um, when I arrived, we'd always been in Europe. They've always been in, in the in the top um, echelon in Europe, but. Um, I think we were just comfortable qualifying for Europe and if we made the playoffs it was an exceptional season so if we had kept um, doing the things that we did at the club we probably would have kept uh, achieving the same results so we, we had a bit of a plan um, we stuck to that um, there was some change made um, and now the club wants to move on from the success of winning the, the Pro 12 it was a couple of seasons ago um, obviously to make sure that we're in the playoffs on a regular basis but also competing in Europe um, so we were able to do that last season. The challenge for us is to, is to carry that on. The club has ambition. They want to win Europe within the next couple of years. And look, that's easier said than done. You know, there's some teams with some pretty big budgets out there. And, um, you know, it's going to be a, an almighty challenge. You know, Leinster have raised the bar, done exceptionally well. And um, But what we did learn from the losses to them last year is what they had done in 12 months to turn around an embarrassing loss in their backyard when we had 14 players for, for over half the game so if Leinster can do that in 12 months um, you know why can't we so we're looking at ways now where we can bridge the gap uh, and hopefully close that and if you can bridge the gap on Leinster well you're not far away from winning Europe so um, you know it is going to be a big big step over the next couple of years for the club but we'll be doing everything we can to try and, and, and give it a real shot is there going to be a sort of shift in balance in sort of terms the way the team plays? Obviously, lost Tyburn, lost John Barkley, brought in Blake Thompson, Kazi, and Ed Kennedy. So perhaps there could be less of an emphasis, maybe on the sort of breakdown, maybe more offloading physicality in the wider channels. Is that is that going to be a noticeable change? What we see. The first thing we're going to do is replace the leadership that we've lost because John Barkley um, 
has been a captain when when Ken's been unavailable, uh, along with um, Scotty Williams. You know, so you're losing a couple of guys there that have got a lot of Test match experience. One guy, co- uh, sorry, captains his country. Scotty's been our vice captain and captain numerous times. So we're we're looking at guys like your James Davies, your your um, your Rob Evans, those sorts of players to step up now. Your East Patchels and start to uh, Gareth Davies, those sorts of players to to have more of a leadership role. Um, in terms of the way we play the game, yeah, the guys that have come in, um, Blade Thompson, different skill set to a Tyg Burn. I don't think you'll ever replace Tyg Burn at the breakdown for a, a man that tall. He's just exceptional over the ball. Um, what a season, a couple of seasons he's had. So hard to replace, but Blade will bring, you know, another skill set. He's, he's like a Sonny Bill Williams, really, with his offloading game. Um, Kazim's got a pretty good offloading game as well, Uzair. Um, you look at the the way they're ruling the tackle now with the tackle height, I think it plays into those bigger guys' hands. You know, you, you know your arms free, um, that offloading game. So I don't think we'll stray away from that. Um, we've just got to look at tweaking our game because you can't always play that wide, expansive game that we like playing um, in some of the conditions we get. You know, we were taught a lesson against Bath in the wet. And um, so we've got to learn from those lessons and make sure we've got a little bit more to our game than just uh, moving the ball wide, wide. You want me to get notes at this, are you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said there about uh, and you joked about it, but nailing the three-year plan. But it's, it's probably quite a serious point. If you look at the last three winners of the Pro Twelve, Pro Fourteen, it's been a coach who's been in his third year. And obviously, Bert, you know, you talked last year about being a, a, a working process. Is, is this year the same? Because it, no, I, are, you, are you looking towards that third year? Or? Yeah, I think it's going to take it's going to, it's going to take time to get us um, obviously the level. Of the other, of the other regions here, but um, we expect to see a big improvement this season. You know what I mean? Uh, we have to, we have to see improvement um, on the field. We have enough talent now to to be competitive, um, and obviously, you know, we're ambitious. We want to, we want to make you know Champions Cup as soon as possible. Um, so for that, we're going to have to keep looking to to be able to retain our best talent, which the Dragons haven't been able to do in the past. Thankfully. Um, you know, we tie down a lot of those youngsters on, on three-year contracts, which has given us some stability. But we need to be aggressive in the in the recruitment market. You know, to bring in talent that can help us get there quickly. Um, and I look at all the teams; they're all always look. All the top teams are always looking forward, looking to um, add to their backroom or to their playing squad. And um, I think you know, this summer we'll have to be pretty busy again. Um, less less busy, but more you know, more specific in what we need to help us. Um, get there, but definitely we sh- we expect to see a big improvement this year. I think people need to understand, you know, when you, <coughs> when you come into an organisation from outside, you inherit the backroom staff. Normally, you know, people are contracted. You inherit a squad, so most of our players are either on two or three year contracts. So you know, the first year you've got what you've got. The second year you can make some change. In the case of the Scarlets, probably half the team rolls over one year. The other half, the, the following year. So it's not. It wasn't really until I was in my third year that I had the management team and the players that I'd handpicked. So at that stage, the onus is on, you know, you can't point the finger anywhere else. You, you've got what you've got and it's what you've, with your budget, you've been able to, to recruit and, and spend it on. So I think, you know, people need to be patient. Um, but, you know, that third year is a, is a big year for a coach, I think, in the, in the, in the modern game. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Josh... I just bought you another year. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Still in the honeymoon next year. I get three in honeymoon. Did you say three or five? I think with the with the with the plans, like you know, you might have a, a 
a massive plan of in three years' time we'll do this. But, you know, I wouldn't have got the job at Cardiff Blues if I said, oh, in, in three years' time we'll do something. Like, our, our plan is next week we'll do something. So we all, we all have our short-term goals of where we're going to head to and we'll have our monthly plans and maybe after round four or five, this is where you want to be. So, and eventually you get through your season and then you can reassess it and, and say, okay, where are we going to go to next? So I've inherited, you know, the same group, uh, the same foreign players because they were all signed before we got here. So, you know, I'll, I'll get to learn a little bit about them during the year and see where we want to head. Now, if the Cardiff Blues want to be, um, you know, a powerhouse in Europe, you know, they... They had some success in Europe 10 years ago. So what's happened in between there? So it's about us. Yeah, we want to get to there, but there's some stepping stones we've got to go through. And there needs to be a bit of patience in there. And if we get some patience, we get some consistency in recruitment and, and off-field, and you get your on-field buy-ins in as well. So it is a bit of a, a slow burn, but you know, you still got to look at every week. We need to turn up and win. I suppose it's sort of a different situation for you because obviously Bernard Dragons were doing well when you came in, Scarlet sort of underachieving. You're literally coming in off the back of European success with a settled squad. So it's. it's, it's but really I also look at, you know, Pro 14, where we were, you know, we lost the first five or six last year and put themselves out of contention and you know, they finished fourth. So our, our guys have got a burning desire to, you know, finish better than that. If we do finish better than fourth in our pool, you make finals. And once you make finals, then it's just game by game then. So our target would be to do better in, in the league. And then, you know, we, we're back into the Heineken Cup again, the Champions you know, League. So, you know, try and snag a couple of home wins and get some good performances away. And again, we, we, we build on that. And then we look at our recruitment and the cycle just keeps going, going forward. But you, you can't lose sight of just what's right here, right in front of you. Otherwise, if you keep eyeing on the big picture... You know, I'll never get to the top. Uh, we all we all dream, but we're all realists. And the reality of the job is, it feels like a three-week contract at times. You know, mm-hmm. you lose three games in the bounce. You ask any one of us how we feel, uh, because you know the next game's an extremely pressurised game. Um, but within that, you got to stick to your values and your processes and your principles, and um, you got to be true to yourself ultimately. Uh, we earlier discussed the pressures of the position. It comes with, it comes with the the job title, but fundamentally, it's how we grow as a group. And along the way, can you ride those moments? I remember when, in Wayne's second year, you know, being in uh, Stradley Park with our Clinefly with uh, Ulster and a player getting Sinbin, and that ended up being a turning point. We had them on the rack, and you went on. And went on to success in the back end of that season so uh, there are fine moments and uh, I think it's important that you, you stick to your, your values and your principles in those moments of darkness and it is darkness and really enjoy the wins You mentioned sticking to your values there how, how much sort of comp- compromise is there as a coach in terms of philosophies, values In what respect? Compromise of values I don't think you can compromise on values um, for me uh, it's just trying to keep your head when everyone else is if you're a head coach as these guys are here um, as we are um, if you lose your head then you pretty much lose the change room I reckon you can probably fire two, three bullets better coaches in the world have said that more experienced coaches have said that before fire two, three bullets in the season but if you're continually doing that then you know, you're going to lose the change room a bit like telling your son he's 
not good. Just becomes white noise yeah. at the end yeah. if you just keep, like, keep losing it. So you keep hitting your dog, it'll not come to you when you mm. want to pet it. Pretty much sums that one up, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you know, like <clears throat> for us, it's it's having acceptable behaviours in, in our group um, and just making sure that. You know the actions that we ask for. You know the boys live those on a daily basis. That's all we ask is that they're disciplined to do it on a daily basis. You know? we, we've got we've got four key words. You know every team's got these values on the on, on a values board somewhere, but it's it's actually living them on a daily basis, um, and that's just something that uh, we don't compromise on. Yeah, I think you, you, hopefully you retain and recruit people who have a similar way of looking at the things that you have. You know that's the that's the key and be really consistent. I think, you know, Alan, Alan said about firing bullets. I think it's just, you know, having having consistency in terms of how you see the the environment looking and consistency in terms of how you want to play the game and be able to communicate that message to to the players. And um, that's 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 the key. It's about consistently doing the right things over and over again. It's not it's not rocket science. It's just being sure enough about what what you, how you see that good behaviour looking and being able to make sure you drive there every day. Yeah, like you can really keep it really simple. We've got we've only got one rule at the Cardiff Blues, and that's be on time. So if you're on time, you've turned up with the right attitude, and you're not going to let your mates down. You can sit there in the change room beforehand, talk about things outside of rugby as well, and you know that you're prepared, ready to go. We've got heaps of policies on how we're going to play the game, what kit we wear afterwards, how we speak in public, and all those type of things. But it's just pretty simple. Just turn up, be there, and they enjoy walking through the door then. We've kept it very simple. We're talking about men at the end of the day, you know, yeah. good men. Men probably got more knowledge in certain positions than we have, and so we blend that together and bring it together to perform its best. And you perform to your best. Yeah, you want to be challenged, but you also want to be supported. Uh, moving on, you, you said something today, Alan, which um, sort of intrigued me. You said that you haven't looked at any footage yet of Edinburgh ahead of the first game, deliberately so. Uh, I've got the footage, but I haven't looked at it yet. Exactly, yeah. That's, that's quite interesting. Is, is that a sort of regular thing you do? Sort of? I think they've only played one pre-season game. I think it'd be remiss to start building your strategies on one game. Um, we to see if there's some trends and confirmation of that when they play their second one and maybe even uh, their last game of the season, which was against Munster, when they played away from home in the semi-final of Pro 14 last season. So... Uh, you're looking more for trends. I think um, when I was a younger coach, you can get too bogged down in what the opposition in, are doing. Learning from the likes of Joe Smith, you know, he he would deliberately change players to cause confusion and work in cycles. Or be you know, for me now, it's more important about focusing on your your own systems, your own processes, your own basics. Get the fundamentals right of the game, and then progress from there. What would you say that ratio is sort of between focusing on the opposition and focusing on yourself? Pre-season, it'll be 100%. Pre-season is very misleading. Yeah. You know, be careful what you see. You know, everyone, every coach is, is using pre-season games for different reasons. Um, and I think if you're chasing wins as your main target, well, then you're, you're doing it the wrong way. So um, there's so much players running on and off, youngsters getting opportunities. It's just a little bit chaotic, um, you know, and... Uh, for us in season, I think you still need to be looking at yourself more so. But obviously, for lineouts, lineout defence, defence, etc., they'll obviously have a good look. But we need to develop our own game. We're not at a stage yet where we're comfortable enough with our own game plan to be obsessed with opposition. I think we're probably um, probably seventy five, twenty five, mm. uh, and we're a set, reasonably settled squad now. Uh, a pretty settled uh, management team. So. 
for us, you know, with the technology these days, you should be able to say, write down an A4 piece of paper, there's our web plan this week, but you've got to be able to stop us. So it's, it's pretty much making sure we're accurate in what we do. You know, um, we've got our skill sets honed. Um, we all know our roles within the game plan. And we go out there and, and work for each other. You know, um, the, the amount of analysis you can do, you can, I think you can overdo it. Yeah. You can give players too much information. Um, so for us in the pre-season, you know, we played Bath last year. We're not looking at any Bath footage. Go out there and let's deal with what they throw at us. Um, because you can have all the best laid plans in the world, a team changes a few things and what you've trained against doesn't happen. So we've still got to be able to adapt and um, you know, work things out during a game. We didn't watch any Exeter or, or Leicester footage because we had things we need to work on. So we will be looking at Leicester going in. We, we look, we'll look at a 10-day lead-in to our first game. And then, like all the coaches do, you probably watch the, look at the last three games once we have them. And by Thursday, if we got a Saturday game, like by Thursday, by captain's run, we were already, as coaches, heads on to the next game. And we've got all our clips ready and away we go. Because on that Saturday, if you celebrate too long and... You don't, you know, you don't wake up till you know late on Tuesday about what you're going to do next. You're going to lose that day in prep. And the same thing if you if you drop a game and you're disappointed about it for you know more than 24 hours, you're going to not learn from it and you're going to waste a day in preparation going forward. Like the caravan moves on really quickly. And it's you know making sure that you you're in the car ready to go. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the comments from Nigel Davis on the weekend about the under 23s and how that's sort of not really going to work out. How, how, how do you see the under-23s? Well, it's not an under-23, so it's it won't work out. Yeah. yeah. So it's open. It's an A-team. It's an A-team. The, Kel- uh, the, Kel- the Celtic League is, uh, is an A-team. A so how, how, how do you see that sort of being sort of only beneficial then, I, I guess, this year? Well, from my point of view, I think it's fantastic. The uh, standard of rugby and semi-pro, the drop-off from, from the level we're playing at down there and the, some of the grounds you play on, not conducive for the sort of rugby we want to play personally so I think um, having our players going off to three semi-pro teams now um, all being together um, using the style of football that we're playing um, the A coaches are with us we train together on, a, on the Monday Tuesday of the week if we had our way they'd play on a Saturday when we play on a Saturday so we train against each other Thursday as well it's good for the preparation. Um, so they're part of our reviews, previews, the development side of it, it is there. Um, it's a good tool also for, for some of your some of your top players who are coming back from in, injury, that sort of thing, that can play. Um, so I see it as a positive. And moving forward with the Scottish jump in the next year, hopefully that it'll, it'll just grow. Yeah, I think the same. I think it's a brilliant opportunity to develop Welsh coaches as well because they actually get used to getting a team in pre-season, you know, whether it's two or three weeks beforehand or four or five weeks, Building them towards first game, a couple of friendlies. I think we're all playing a couple of friendlies each, and then into a, a block of games where they get used to that, that process of preview, review. Yeah. You know, fix the things that didn't work well, um, adapt, and go again, and, and just get some consistency with a group of players. The issue with the BNI Cup was it was it was sporadic during the season, so you might get players for two. They were together for two weeks. You're dragging guys in from prem. You're affecting the the Premiership. Whereas now. You know, we get a chance as, as as regions to develop coaching players at the same time, and uh, particularly at the start of the season when you know Barnsley Internationals, we we generally have low injury uh, profiles, so you actually have players available, and then you know, and then the guys who do well out of that will put their hand up to to come in and play regional rugby in the Pro 14 or Challenge Cup or Champions Cup later on in the year. So I think it's a 
it's a definitely a useful tool and it's obviously first year we've got to get behind it but we think we can I think it def- <coughs> definitely benefit Welsh rugby I think as coaches also you look what we're in the game why we're in the game you know obviously we're there to win trophies for, for our clubs but also I would say 50% of it is to help develop rugby players to achieve their goals and that is so for me a semi-pro team um, or premiership team if there's this new competition going in I'd be looking to promote my players into that side which is a stepping stone then into the Scarlets or the Dragons the Blues or, or the Ospreys uh, and from there it's it's national honours so everyone's got a link in the chain if you like and, and you've just got to understand what your role is I guess and I, I think it's going to be tough for some of the premiership sides that but it's, it's what you want to get out of it, I guess, is the question you've got to ask. And if it's to, to win that championship, um, then that might be blocking the pathway f- for some young players. So maybe this competition, we can we can probably uh, support both ways of going about it. Well, I don't think there's a coach here, because we, we meet once a month, the four of us, but there's not a coach here who said, I want to go and win the ACOM. We just want our players to be playing rugby, particularly at that part of the year regardless if there's a prize at the end of it. They get exposure, they get a little bit of travel, they're in a professional environment, and that's only good could come out of it. And all of us were picking a lot of our young players, and the, the best thing, I think, for the Cardiff Blues, is, and for all of us, is that in that part of the year, we've, we've once you start the Pro 14, there's some boys who are going to miss out, who mightn't play rugby. They'll train, but it's different to play. They might play for two or three months, so they get, they get six weeks of rugby. And some of them will stand up, and they'll get chosen for the starting team or on the bench for the top team at some stage during the year based on the performances earlier. earlier. So I think we've got to have more of a you know, a cup half full than a empty mentality in, in the whole thing. I think it's fair to say none of us don't recognise the place that club footy's got you know, at amateur level um, and we're all club men at heart, that's where we started from. Um, but equally, you know, it's six games at the beginning of the season you have like-minded players playing the game in a like-minded way. You know, physical development uh, against opposition from across the pond. You know, I think that's that's challenging in itself, and it it helps not just identify those players who've got the skill sets to move forward, but also those who've got the character to deal with away performances in the likes of Munster, Connacht, and Ulster. Yeah, the reality is, you know, there's no point being the best the best hooker in the Dragons in the underage setup. You know, realistically, if you're going to have a professional career, you need to be best in Wales or the best in, in the world because we can recruit from anywhere. So, for those for those youngsters who play or experienced players come back, it's a chance to test themselves against people outside their region. You know, in a competitive game, which is different than training. So, um, it's only positive from my point of view. You talked about developing Welsh coaches and, and developing players. Do you feel a uh, responsibility to sort of be developing more Welsh coaches within within the setup? Yeah, I think as head coach, we responsibility to develop every every coach or every every member support staff in our system. Um, that that's that's obviously a, a part of our job. So um, obviously, from my point of view, if we can find somebody in the Dragons who can replace me or you know bring people on, on um, well, then that's something that we we get great intrinsic reward from because you've actually helped create you know move someone up along the ladder. So definitely, there's there's opportunities for people to. Um, to develop it in our organisation, I'm sure that's the same. Yeah, we've, we've got some good young coaches, um, and Rich Kelly and uh, Di Flanagan, to name a couple coming through. Uh, Yoan Cunningham, our forwards coach for the Scarlets, a lot of people would know, would know he's just in 35, you know, so there are some good young coaches out there, and it's making sure, and this competition is going to help those guys 
um, because it is it is a step up and for all the reasons that the boys have mentioned. So I think um, all of us are, are trying to promote from within where we can. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Richard Fossil of the Ospreys, top young man, uh, Andrew Bishop, you know, well-renowned. We've got Duncan Jones in now with us, taking the scrum with the seniors, um, shortly to be announced and also working within our academy structure. He's fantastic, you know, with the energy he brings. Uh, if the people are good enough, it doesn't matter where you're from in my world, you know, but you've got to... If, you know... Use Duncan as an example. If he his credibility will come through his coaching, he has a certain shelf life in terms of his playing career, but ultimately it'll come through his coaching because the best players, as we've already discussed, want to be challenged and they want to be put into an environment where they're going to develop. And we've got you all round the table here together. Um, you could argue that's either by choice or by force. How often do you, as coaches, sort of interact with each other? As much as we can, I suppose, in a way. We, we're thrown together once a month. I've had dinner with, with Bernard and, and one of his staff members who I've known previously, but we'll get to, you know, we haven't seen a lot of Wayne, but we'll, we'll get to catch up, I'm sure. I didn't get invited to Bernard. Sorry, man. I'll go up the valleys a bit too. I did, okay. Yeah. We'll sort yeah. that out. We'll sort <laughs> that out. We'll find a good Irish pub you know, <laughs> in Cardiff. So I think... Obviously, it's a new with with uh, with Alan now, you know, replacing uh, full time and, and John coming in. Uh, there's definitely a more collegiate attitude in Welsh rugby. I've noticed that over the last twelve months, all the regions are are working closer together, um, at not just head coach level, but um, at CEO level and at chairman level. And that's 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 the way forward for for, for Welsh rugby is to um, to share our, our knowledge and experience and, and um, to work to work together to to make Welsh rugby competitive not just international level but at a regional level and at, at underage level and I think that's definitely been a big change in 12 months which is which is great to see OK just uh, one quick fire question before you go because I know you have got to get a taxi um, as coaches how do you relax sort of after all the the, Ooh, the, the grind that's pretty easy <laughs> I, I, I like a nice Pinot Noir um, golf also yep yeah, I don't mind a, a drop of Malbec or a, a pint of Guinness, to be honest. That's a sup on a pint of Guinness after a, a good performance is a nice place to be. Date races, if I can get one. Horse races. So it looks like we're going to the races at some stage and we'll be drinking a little bit of, uh, <laughs> bit of wine on the way. So just probably just getting out of the environment a little bit and not walking through that door is sort of you can relax a little bit. You don't go watch rugby, but you know. Cheltenham's a good day out. Cheltenham's a great day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll do that this year. Sounds like you've got that organised. Hopefully, you won't have a microphone in the middle of you. Right, um, yeah. Thanks for that, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Obviously, uh, for all the latest Welsh rugby news, you can catch it all on Wales Online. Totally right. drop the invoice too.